0: That's join midi.com.
1: Chapter 11 of the Further Adventures of Robinson Crusoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Further Adventures of Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe. Chapter 11 Warned of Danger by a Countryman. A little while after this, there came in a Dutch ship from Batavia. She was a coaster, not a European trader, of about two hundred tons burden. The men, as they pretended, having been so sickly that the captain had not hands enough to go to sea with, so he lay by at Bangal, and having, it seems, got money enough, or being willing, for other reasons, to go for Europe, he gave public notice he would sell his ship. This came to my ears before my new partner heard of it, and I had a great mind to buy it, so I went to him and told him of it he considered a while for he was no rash man neither and at last replied she is a little too big however we will have her accordingly we bought the ship and agreeing with the master we paid for her and took possession when we had done so we resolved to engage the men if we could to join with those we had for the pursuing our business but on a sudden they having received not their wages but their share of the money as we afterwards learned not one of them was to be found we inquired much about them and at length were told they were all gone together by land to agra the great city of the mogul's residence to proceed from thence to serat and then to go by sea to the gulf of persia nothing had so much troubled me a good while as that i should miss the opportunity of going with them for such a ramble i thought and in such company as would both have guarded and diverted me would have suited mightily with my great design and i should have both seen the world and gone homeward too but i was much better satisfied a few days after when i came to know what sort of fellows they were for in short their history was that this man they called captain was the gunner only not the commander that they had been a trading voyage in which they had been attacked on shore by some of the malays who had killed the captain and three of his men and that after the captain was killed these men eleven in number having resolved to run away with the ship brought her to bengal leaving the mate and five men more on shore well let them get the ship how they would we came honestly by her as we thought though we did not i confess examine into things so exactly as we ought for we never inquired anything of the seamen who would certainly have faltered in their account and contradicted one another somehow or other we should have had reason to have suspected them but the man showed us a bill of sale for the ship to one emanuel klostershoven or some such name for i suppose it was all a forgery and called himself by that name and we could not contradict him and withal having no suspicion of the thing we went through with our bargain we picked up some more english sailors here after this and some dutch and now we resolved on a second voyage to the south for cloves etc that is to say among the philippine and malacca isles In short, not to fill up this part of my story with trifles when what is to come is so remarkable, I spent from first to last six years in this country, trading from port to port, backward and forward, and with very good success, and was now the last year with my new partner, going in the ship above mentioned on a voyage to China, but designing first to go to Siam to buy rice in this voyage being by contrary winds obliged to beat up and down a great while in the straits of malacca and among the islands we were no sooner got clear of those difficult seas than we found our ship had sprung a leak but could not discover where it was this forced us to make some port and my partner who knew the country better than i did directed the captain to put into the river of cambodia for i had made the english mate one mr thompson captain not being willing to take the charge of the ship upon myself this river lies on the north side of the great bay or gulf which goes up to siam while we were here and going often on shore for refreshment There comes to me one day an Englishman, a gunner's mate on board an English East India ship, then riding in the same river. Sir, says he, addressing me, you are a stranger to me and I to you, but I have something to tell you that very nearly concerns you. I am moved by the imminent danger you are in, and, for aught I see, you have no knowledge of it. I know no danger I am in, said I, but that my ship is leaky and I cannot find it out, but I intend to lay her aground tomorrow to see if I can find it. But sir, says he, leaky or not leaky, you will be wiser than to lay your ship on shore tomorrow when you hear what I have to say to you. Do you know, sir, said he, the town of Cambodia lies about fifteen leagues up the river, and there are two large English ships about five leagues on this side and three Dutch? well said i and what is that to me why sir said he is it for a man that is upon such adventures as you are to come into a port and not examine first what ships there are there and whether he is able to deal with them i suppose you do not think you are a match for them i could not conceive what he meant and i turned short upon him and said i wish you would explain yourself i cannot imagine what reason i have to be afraid of any of the company's ships or dutch ships i am no interloper what can they have to say to me well sir says he with a smile if you think yourself secure you must take your chance but take my advice if you do not put to sea immediately you will the very next tide be attacked by five longboats full of men and perhaps if you are taken you will be hanged for a pirate and the particulars be examined afterwards i thought sir added he i should have met with a better reception than doing you a piece of service of such importance I can never be ungrateful, said I, for any service or to any man that offers me any kindness, but it is past my comprehension what they should have such a design upon me for. However, since you say there is no time to be lost, and that there is some villainous design on hand against me, I will go on board this minute and put to sea immediately if my men can stop the leak. But sir, said I, shall I go away ignorant of the cause of all this? Can you give me no further light into it?' I can tell you what part of the story, Sir says he, but I have a Dutch seaman here with me, and I believe I could persuade him to tell you the rest, but there is scarce time for it, but the short of the story is this: the first part of which I suppose you know well enough that you were with this ship at Sumatra, that there your captain was murdered by the Malays with three of his men, and that you, or some of those that were on board with you, ran away with the ship and are since turned pirates this is the sum of the story and you will all be seized as pirates i can assure you and executed with very little ceremony for you know merchant ships show but little law to pirates if they get them into their power now you speak plain english said i and i thank you and though i know nothing that we have done like what you talk of for i am sure we came honestly and fairly by the ship yet seeing such a work is doing as you say and that you seem to mean honestly i will be upon my guard Nay, sir, says he, do not talk of being upon your guard. The best defense is to be out of danger. If you have any regard for your life and the lives of all your men, put to sea without fail at high water. And as you have a whole tide before you, you will be gone too far out before they can come down, for they will come away at high water. And as they have twenty miles to come, you will get near two hours of them by the difference of the tide, not reckoning the length of the way. Besides, as they are only boats, and not ships they will not venture to follow you far out to sea especially if it blows well said i you have been very kind in this what shall i do to make you amends sir says he you may not be willing to make me any amends because you may not be convinced of the truth of it i will make an offer to you i have nineteen months pay due to me on board the ship which I came out of England in, and the Dutchman that is with me has seven months' pay due to him. If you will make good our pay to us, we will go along with you. If you find nothing more in it, we will desire no more. But if we do convince you that we have saved your lives and the ship, and the lives of all the men in her, we will leave the rest to you. I consented to this readily, and went immediately on board, and the two men with me. As soon as I came to the ship's side, my partner, who was on board, came out on the quarter-deck and called to me with a great deal of joy. "'We have stopped the leak! We have stopped the leak!' "'Say you so,' said I, thank God, but weigh anchor then immediately. "Weigh," says he. "'What do you mean by that? What is the matter?' "'Ask no questions,' said I, but set all hands to work and weigh without losing a minute.' he was surprised however he called the captain and he immediately ordered the anchor to be got up and though the tide was not quite down yet a little land breeze blowing we stood out to sea then i called him into the cabin and told him the story and we called in the men and they told us the rest of it but as it took up a great deal of time before we had done a seaman comes to the cabin door and called out to us that the captain bade him tell us we were chased by five sloops or boats full of men Very well, said I, then it is apparent there is something in it. I then ordered all our men to be called up, and told them there was a design to seize the ship and take us for pirates, and asked them if they would stand by us, and one by another. The men answered cheerfully, one and all, that they would live and die with us. Then I asked the captain what way he thought was best for us to manage a fight with them, for resist them I was resolved we would, and that to the last drop he said readily that the way was to keep them off with our great shot as long as we could and then to use our small arms to keep them from boarding us but when neither of these would do any longer we would retire to our close quarters for perhaps they had not materials to break open our bulkheads or get in upon us the gunner had in the meantime orders to bring two guns to bear fore and aft out of the steerage to clear the deck and load them with musket bullets and small pieces of old iron and what came next to hand thus we made ready for fight but all this